Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today. Six months after President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. The sanctions target Iran's shipping, financial, and energy sectors, all key to the country's already struggling economy. Bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive devices, were sent to the FBI's bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia. We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border. The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexican Breaking news out of Pittsburgh. The man accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh is pleading not guilty, and he also wants a jury trial because he's facing a 44 count. So, in the final seconds before the Boeing 737 Max crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed. You've now entered the House of Mystery. Crime, conspiracy, history, and science. With your hosts, Al Warren, Mike Brown, Julie Saab, Michael Butterfield, Dr. Joseph Usinski, and Michael Hawley. Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm the host, Al Warren, co-hosting today. We have Mr. David Martino. Hey, Al. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We're we're having Dave today. Um, (laughs) So, uh, now today, uh, it's kind of different than what we've had the rest of the week. We go all over the the place with this show, but today we are... um, we have a find of a lifetime. We're going to be talking about Atlantis, the lost world. Um, so joining us today, we've got uh, Christos Dijonis, and uh, we're going to talk about his new book, Atlantis, the find of a lifetime. Uh, it just came out May 3rd. Um, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me now. So this is quite the, uh, the feat here, uh, find of a lifetime. So um, before we get into the book details, um, let's, let's talk about you a little bit. So where did um, Chris come from, and what got you into looking for Atlantis? Sure. Um, 
first and foremost, um, the, uh, the accent is uh, Greek Cypriot, in case your audience wonders. Um, and uh, no matter what I do with it, I just can't get this thing go away. So um, it's like a bad allergy. So I was born up. <laughs> I was born on the island of Cyprus. After the Turkish invasion of uh, 1974, we moved to Athens, Greece uh, temporarily where I finished high school. And in 1980, just fresh out of high school, we migrated to the United States where I've, uh, where I've been for the, uh, for the last four years. Um, I'm, a, I'm a general contractor by trade for the last 30 years or so. Um, our company has been renovating large multi, multifamily projects in Georgia. And um, I'm also a real estate investor, an upscale uh, home designer, and a part-time author, obviously. As for um, as for the book, um, what drove me to um, to um, write this book? Uh, I guess uh, since I was a teenager, I was always fascinated with our ever-evolving history, and especially with uh, cases where myths or uh, mythical places turn out to be real. Like for uh, for instance the ancient city of Troy. For many centuries, we thought it was a product of uh, Homer's imagination until Schliemann uh, discovered it and uh, found it exactly at the location where uh, Homer had placed it in his story. Uh, another one is the um, lost city of Uber, uh, mentioned in the Quran. That was also found in the desert sands of Arabian Peninsula. And uh, the same goes for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, known today as Mira and Babitra. They're also found, uh, in the, in they're now uh, uh, places of a continuous study. So um, I always thought that uh, Plebus Atlantis fell into this category where one day it could be uh, proven real. And that's what drove me into it. Now, now with Atlantis, uh, there's been a lot of uh, all sorts of myths and movies and stories and, and things going for years now. So... Um, is that kind of what no. drew you to it? Was it was it just no, 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 no. Okay, so what was it specifically? I'm I'm not a fiction uh, fiction author. I don't even have it in my vocabulary to be a fiction author. Uh, I'm a researcher. Uh, I do this as a hobby. I love research work, and um, that's what uh, I started doing with Ukrania. And this is what this book is all about. It's all about research. So, so. Um, you know, again, this is this is the kind of a book that the myth turns out to be real after all. Um, you know, um, and just like I say on the cover of the book, you know, that I, I describe that, and it's very important. You know, the book, uh, you know, it's a chronicle ten thousand year journey that effectively reveals uh, Atlantis' submerged island, and it demonstrates how Plato's two thousand year old story connects. This is important. Connects to real history. Uh, all the information in the book is either current knowledge uh, or material from recent scientific studies and discoveries that ultimately corroborate my conclusions. Uh, there is no fluff writing in there or bunch of speculations, as in the case of other books or TV shows, like you said, we often see on Atlantis, just straight to the point, details and facts. Okay, so let's let's start that. So where did the journey start for you? What did you... What did you first discover, and, and what led you to the location you think is uh, Atlantis? Well, it all starts with a, um, with a description, okay? Plato um, not only gave us the chronology when the story of Atlantis took place, which is uh, 9,600 B.C., but he provided us with a detailed description of the island, region by region, 
and literally down to the square kilometer. <clears throat> when you count all the um, all the uh, clues given to us by Plato, there should be 14, 15 clues in his description. And remember, a genuine discovery requires that all elements of the physical description are present, all are found to be in the right order, uh, and the chronology also must be a match. If a single piece of the description is missing, the elements are not arranged in the right order, the dimensions are wrong, or the chronology does not coincide with Plato's given chronology, I'm sorry to say we have nothing. And that was the challenge originally. <clears throat> now, unfortunately, in this case, we have every past claimer theory, basically, with one or two clues and just lots of speculation. Uh, we don't have anything, what we call a perfect case scenario. <clears throat> Even the original Santorini hypothesis, if you think about it, did not perfectly match Plato's description. Although the Minon civilization and the Allen's destruction by volcano appears to be a good match. The given chronology um, uh, was thrown out, calling it a mistake on Plato's behalf. As um, you know, if we had the right to dispose anything we didn't like out of his testimony. And um, another bigger problem with that theory, though, was that uh, the primary island of Atlantis, an island the size of Crete, one Plato said it was nine kilometers away from the around island within an island setting, is missing from the Santorini backdrop of 1600 BC. All these are serious inconsistencies that, you know, allowed critics in the past to question the theory as well as the story's validity. So long story short, we never had until now a perfect case scenario. Now, if you look at my book, you know, and you, you know, just really look at it and study, you know, page by page, you know, it is as if we have, um, uh, it is as if we're looking at a lottery ticket, if I can rephrase that, uh, with all the numbers on it matching. Uh, in this case, not only the 14 clues, including the chronology perfectly match, but uh, the physical elements are arranged in the exact order as Plato depicted. So I call that a perfect case scenario, you know, when you have all this fall in place, unlike any other case in the past, you know, we had, for example, you know, few documentaries recently um, um, on TV from uh, various people, James Cameron and uh, William Shatner and Nat Geo and, uh, you know, Jim Cameron, Atlantis Rising, for example, um, or Nat Geo's Legends of Atlantis, you know. All, 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 all these documentaries, they're full of speculation and no, no evidence uh, to prove that they're matching all these clues I just mentioned. Um, now, to the audience, of course, an uninformed audience, you know, all they see is that these people claim they found this and they found that, but if the audience is uninformed, they just don't know what's right and what's not, you know, what match and what not. So, um, you know, we, have, we keep having all these documentaries keep coming out and keep coming out, but nobody follows, uh, follows the... Uh, uh, the, the instructions, nobody follows Plato's uh, direction and they're just making things up, including, by the way, the brand new one is coming out from uh, Morgan Freeman right now. I think there is one. I wrote him a letter the other day and I said, I love you as an actor. I like to see everything you know you do, but this documentary you're about to put out, it does not work out, you know, because they changed it from the get go, the chronology of uh, Plato's. Uh, 
they, they change the playoffs chronology from the get-go, from the beginning of the documentary, and they're just shooting to find out something in the wrong chronology. Well, how do you compete with stuff like that? But, you know, because uh, if you're, you're being a serious researcher and you're looking for real evidence and trying to discover the truth, and you've got big money productions like, like that one, uh, how are you going to compete with something like that? Because that will come out and people will believe that more than, let's say, you, just because of the star power. Well, it's not about believing. It's about proving you have the facts and somebody else not. I think, I think all these major productions, you know, if you, um, if you try to sell something through the Discovery Channel or um, the History Channel, um, they, they pay pretty, pretty hefty, you know, per episode, you know, or, or whatever you sell. I think these big productions uh, are more into selling a product than really telling the truth. In fact, you know, I'm not saying they wouldn't present the truth, but evidently nobody was able, as I did so far, to just describe it, you know, you know, um, clue by clue by clue and just say there is 1450 clues in this description and here all they are. You know, usually they say, oh, you know, I found that, for example, let's, let's take the documentary in Spain. You remember uh, recently, a couple of years ago, we had a documentary filmed in Spain and they, they you know, basically the, um, the researchers, they said, they think they found Atlantis and the only clue they could produce, uh, it was um, um, a carving on a stone, basically, with uh, concentric uh, rings. Um, and they said, ha-ha, you know, we, we found something. Now, it's a significant find, but it means nothing. It's one clue out of 15. Well, what happened to the other 15 clues? So I'm not worrying about these people competing with me. This is not about a competition. It's about finding something and be, being able to show others that here it is. Everything matches. Try to prove me wrong. And this is what this is all about. I'm just, at this point, I'm just trying to reach out. I just sent a book to a professor out in Tennessee the other day, an archaeologist, sorry. Well, it's a professor too, and I'm waiting for his response. I'm just trying to have people look at it, really look at it, and see if they can debate me or tell me what does not fall in place because the way I'm looking at it and everybody, I show the book and they read the book, Everything perfectly matches. I showed that to an engineer the other day who was a non-believer, and now he became a believer. He said, I think you found something. So uh, it's not a competition. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's uh, I care less about what anybody does. I just want to be able to to uh, demonstrate, uh, reveal the find, and demonstrate that this is it. You know, there is no better match than this. Well, I'm just wondering... Um... You know, without giving too many spoilers, could you give us some of that evidence of Atlantis existing and, and, and where? It Let me describe be? how Plato described Atlantis, and you can see how difficult it is to match all these things, all these elements. I'm, I'm going to read this because it's a long description here. I don't want to miss anything, so I'm going to read this uh, this quote from uh, from Plato, basically. Well, actually, it's actually from my book, but um, you know, I mean, it's a series of things that it will at the end will leading to about 14, 15 different clues. So it goes. The, the northern region of the island was uh, covered in mountains that reached the shores. So he said, the northern region 
full of mountains, extended all the way to the sea. That's the first clue. Well, it's actually, there's three clues in that sentence. Just south of the mountainous region, he said, there was an oblong valley, 555 square kilometers in size. Remember, oblong valley, not square or circular, south, not east or west, precisely 555 square kilometers in size. Further south, he said, there was another valley, two-thirds in size of the Oakland Valley, 370 square kilometers, and that was surrounded by mountains. Once again, he was very specific, second valley, further south, two-thirds in size, 370 square kilometers. Then he said, nine kilometers away from what was the primary island of Atlantis, not 10 or 15 kilometers, but precisely nine kilometers away, there was a round island within an island setting, most likely a collapsed volcano with a flooded core. And um, this, this round island had a single opening on, it, on its outer cliffs, single opening, not two or three, where ships could enter into the island's flooded center, where they were able to reach the inner island, which was 0.92 kilometers in diameter. Once again, round island within an island setting, nine kilometers away, from the main island, single opening on its outer, outer ring in an inner island, 0.92 kilometers in size. The crown city of Atlantis, Plato said, was built on this round island within an island. <clears throat> now, I don't know if you've been counting how many clues there is in this description, but if somebody comes and tell you, slam dunk, I covered all these clues, I found it. And here it is. You have to have all this, you know, if you say I found, uh, for example, if, if one of these things, let's say the Oakland Valley was still 555 square kilometers, let's say it was 300 square kilometers or, or 700 square kilometers, you just don't have nothing. You know, if one of these clues is not where it's supposed to be or is not the right size, we have nothing. And I have all these clues presented in my find. It's exactly there. It's all there. Is Plato really the only primary source or source that mentions Atlantis um, that we can count yeah, on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are people uh, all the time that coming up saying, well, what about Edgar Casey or what about this, what about that? Well, Plato is the sole authority on Atlantis. He's the first one uh, ever who wrote about Atlantis uh, and everything else followed. So basically, if you... Um, if you're trying to follow Atlantis and try to make a discovery, uh, everything Plato said must be to, to, to be proven real, um, to prove uh, the story real, basically. You have to be able to prove everything Plato said, you know, the, from the chronology to the, down to the nitty-gritty detail in order to, um, to, um, uh, not, nothing more, nothing less, you know, in order to say I found exactly what Plato was talking about. Now, anything else other than that, uh, you know, whether it's Edward Casey or or another researcher or anything else, you know, it's all hearsay. So now you you feel like you've you've got the location um, from 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 discovering the location. What can you tell us about Atlantis? Like, what can you say that happened to it when I started? Uh, looking for it, I, and by the way, um, this work took me over 40 years, okay, um, to when I started writing my first book, to even mention about Atlantis, I had no idea what to write, 
and it took 40 years of research to be able to know I found something, and then it took another seven years afterwards, between 2014 and now, with a bunch of other discoveries that came up in the last seven years to solidify my previous discovery and know for a fact that it's solid. Um, now, as far as the, um, the, um, what, uh, how I started to put myself on the right path, I always thought the, um, the uh, chronology was the key to solve this puzzle, okay? Finding the match inside at any other period, first of all, uh, would not qualify as a match. So even if you found something that looked like a match, if the chronology was wrong, because Plato said so, it happened in that chronology, then again, you've got nothing. The chronology is very, very important. So you have to start thinking, okay, what was Earth-like back in 9,600 BC? What kind of circumstances I'm dealing with back in that time? In order, in order to be... To put myself on the right track, I started with a chronology. So, so um, you know, the chronology actually is what uh, helped me, um, uh, uh, you know, put the puzzle together. You know, from there, everything else kind of fell, fell in place all by themselves. You know, the, the, the given chronology, though, forced me to look for a prehistoric island, now submerged, of course, that, that was above water at around 9600 BC. And then the chronology also helped me to look for a prehistoric island submerged under 400 feet of water because in the last 11,000 years, the oceans rose by 400 feet. So um, back to the question you asked, uh, once, once I knew what I'm looking for and, and I, you know, I knew I need to look for something that's you know 400 feet deep. And by the way, there are others you know, they say, oh, it's in the middle of the Atlantic, you know, it's a mile deep, you know, there was some uh, research work done off the uh, coast of Cyprus several years ago, you know, they were looking for a mile and a half deep, you know, all these are just kind of, I don't believe in fiction, you know, things, we, have, we know exactly what happened on this planet for the past several thousand years, you know, so we can go back and tell you what, you know, what kind of uh, effects we had, you know, the ocean, we know the oceans rose by, by 400 feet. We know we didn't have any supercontinent that, you know, sunk, you know, suddenly the last 10,000 years. We, we know a lot of things, so we have to be realistic. And, you know, the two realistic things is that, you know, if, if Atlantis was real, it's gotta be under 400 feet of water because if it sunk, it must have sunk by some kind of natural catastrophe. So now it has to be 400 feet under, and um, it had it had to be above water though at around 9600 BC. So that was the the, the the things I've been thinking about over and over and over. And sure thing, you know, when I started looking, you know, well first I had to do a lot of studying, you know, and just compare Plato and check every English translation there is before I got that far. Make sure. The, uh, the story jives because, you know, I also found that a lot of these English translations are not um, all the same. We have a lot of um, a lot of um, discrepancies in these English translations. You know, a lot of them translated um, um, uh, the, Engl uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, ancient Greek text text word by word. 
sentence by sentence, not taking into consideration that the um, the um, ancient Greek is structured in a different way than the um, English language we used to translate it to. And, um, you know, I, I had to read just about every English translation, popular transla translation out there to see, you know, why are they translating it the way they do. And first thing I found is that from one translation to another, we have sentences that they're different. We have words that they're missing or they're different. And then at the end of the day, I realized that uh, these translations, you know, are inaccurate because they're not translating the Greek as they're, as it's supposed to be um, um, translated. You know, when it comes to ancient Greek, and, and I took that for several years in school, when you translate ancient Greek, you have to understand the meaning before you try to trans translate it to somebody who speaks English. You know, you can't just read the words, translate the words. If it was that easy, you just, you, you could have some app do the translation for you, but it's not. There is no app on the planet that can translate ancient Greek because the structure is such that it requires somebody to explain to you what you just read. So, you know, I realized from the get-go, even the original translations, you know, they were inaccurate. You know, when it comes to meaning, the syntactic structure should have been changed before they put out, you know, the meaning of what they read. And it started from there. I realized that the, the, a lot of the translations are wrong. And I realized that, you know, Atlantis is not in the Atlantic as most people think to this day, but it's in the Mediterranean, clearly. Well, looking back at, at, at your previous book on Atlantis, um, I, I believe you stated that um, that you didn't believe that Atlantis was the super advanced civilization that we think of from myth and stories and, and, and TV and movies. And I, I was just wondering, um, do, do you know how Atlantis was in its heyday? Does anybody know that? Or is there is there any evidence or anything that would point to how uh, people lived back then? Correct. Well, we all know how uh, people behave, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, during our prehistory. You know, I, you know, I personally believe that they were a little more advanced than we tend to give them credit for. Um, you know, there, there. For example, I can just give you an idea. For example, uh, Gobekli Tepe, you know, in Turkey, uh, that structure cannot be erected by hunters and gatherers on a part time during the on, on, on their weekend spare time, you know. I mean, you, you have to have some type of social organization to build, I forgot how many, 20 different structures of that magnitude. And um, we can't just call them just primitive hunters and gatherers. But on the other hand, there were not that much more than that either, you know. Now, they were advanced enough to be doing these kind of things. Um, they were advanced enough to travel across the Atlantic, as Plato suggested in his story, because he did say, you know, in his story, you know, that there is an island across the Atlantic, you know, bigger than um, uh, Asia and um, larger than Libya and Asia and Libya and Asia together. The thing is, you know, these people were indeed capable, as Plato said, and I proved it in the book that they were capable of uh, via island hopping to go from 
from uh, North Europe to North America. And again, I'm not, I'm not just the one, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, a little bit more, but I'm not the one who just said, you know, my research found out that, you know, for the longest time, we thought the uh, Greek islands were uninhabited for thousands and thousands of years. And all of a sudden, you know, recently we found out that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The people were able to live on the island of Crete 130,000 years ago, okay? So the island of Crete is, it's 150 miles away from Africa. How the, I'm not going to say the word, but how did people manage that trip, you know, 130,000 years ago? We've got to think about it. Now, there were not modern advanced societies or anything. There were still primitive people, but we underestimating our, our, the human ability to do things. When somebody want to do things, they'll do it. And the longer, the much longer time you give them, the more they're going to find ways how to do something. So navigation was always a factor that we always ignore. We said, ah, you know, primitive people, hunters and gatherers, what do they know about? Sailing. Well, they found their way from Africa to, to Crete um, or from wherever else they came from, you know, at that point, because they're finding human tools for hunting, you know, in Crete 130,000 years ago. 
uh, I was reading an article the other day on the island of Naxos, you know, uh, even, um, which is another Greek island, Neanderthals. They found Neanderthals there. How did the, the, the Neanderthals find a way to an island, a Greek island if their only way, it was not like they walked over, over the ice. There was no ice or anything. So they were able to build some kind of a craft to go from point A to point B. All these things we've been ignoring for years and years and years. So Plato is the only one who said, you know, who mentioned that 11 and a half thousand years ago in his story of Atlantis, he said the ocean back then was navigable and the, um, and, uh, the, um, the people were able to go from it, you know, basically the, um, the, uh, the island of Atlantis, um, you know, across the uh, vertical ocean. And the vertical ocean is the Atlantic Ocean, obviously, and um, the continent across the, uh, the pillars of Hercules is that of America, uh, not of Atlantis, as many people think uh, when they read the story. It's just they're picking up the phrases from the Greek translated, uh, from the English translated um, 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 uh, versions, and they just pick and choose the phrases they like, and they turn out to end up with the wrong interpretation of things. Someone picks up your book and reads it, and they, what is it you want them to get out of your book? Like, what is it you want them to take away? Simply, um, um, Atlantis is found. I mean, it's, it's you know, of course, it's, you know, it's in the eyes of the beholder, you know. I, um, I'm very methodical about how I present the case, and I have clues that I'm, it's not just me saying it. Uh, I found this or I found that. On, on the op on the contrary, you know, I um, I have enough clues in the book that everything I present in the book, basically, whether it's me saying it uh, or not, it's backed by somebody else's study or a scientific study or an archaeological discovery that uh leaves no doubt that what I'm saying is what took place. And step by step by step, I take you over 10,000 years, and I show you, you know, where it all started when Plato said this story started at 9,600 B.C., and it took you all the way to the time before Christ. And I show you exactly what happened to these people, where, um, where uh, what, what happened to Atlantis, basically, what happened to these people after the... Um, the inundation, basically, after the destruction of Atlantis. What happened to them at that point and where they ended up? Because they just didn't disappear. You know, you know, you can take the biggest unimaginable catastrophe on the planet. People are like roaches, you know, they just don't disappear. They can end up somewhere else. And this is what happened. You know, a lot of them died. Any catastrophe can, you know, eliminate big, you know, populations. But at the end, you know, we're, we're still around, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, you know, so far, you know, so so Atlantis was not the end of things. Yes, Atlantis flooded. Yes, Atlantis, uh, you know, got submerged, but it, it did not all go underwater. First of all, you know, the tips of the mountains of Atlantis, they're still above water. Um, the, the body, the main body is underwater, but the, the, the islands and Plato, it was clear about that, too. He said... The, uh, tops of, the tops of the mountains of Atlantis turn into the uh, small islets, you know, that basically represent the uh, the uh, body of the land that was once there. 
Um, so some people remain there, they survive, some people migrated elsewhere. <clears throat> Remember, you know, they were able, they were good navigators, they could go elsewhere. And uh, they continued on. As a matter of fact, uh, we know we know Atlantis by different names. You know, um, uh, they, like I said, they did not disappear in the history. History failed to recognize a lot of the clues and a lot of the um, the things that were presented to us and call them something else over and over and over up until just before um, um you know, Jesus' time, uh, we call, these Atlanteans were still around. These people were still around. You know, the 10,000 history, of course, you know, they evolved into different societies, but, but their history goes back 10,000 years. We just call them different names all along, up until the end. Were you able to decide or figure out why um, Atlantis sunk? Like, what, what, what made it go underwater? Like I said, I, I don't believe in uh, uh, science fiction. Uh, I don't believe in supernatural. Um, the primary reason of Atlantis um, going down was the rise of the oceans. Like I said, the oceans rose uh, from uh, after the, uh, the end of the last ice age forward. The, the oceans rose uh, by um, 400 feet. Now, we had some severe cases where the oceans rose within one century maybe 50 feet. We also had one situation where the ocean rose around the globe. Now I'm talking around the globe. The oceans rose by nine feet almost overnight uh, when the um, when um, uh, a lake in North America, Lake Akaziz, collapsed. Um, it could be very well connected to the meteor that fell in North America and that caused the uh, Lake Akaziz to collapse was a glacial, uh, gla glacial lake that held uh, 440,000 square kilometers of water, more than all the lakes in the world combined today. Um, and when that wall of that lake collapsed, the oceans rose by nine feet almost overnight. That is the smoking gun what flooded the, um, the, 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 the low elevations of Atlantis. It's just like New Orleans, you remember? When that flooded, it didn't cover the houses over the top, but it covered them enough where it just literally destroyed the city. When you have a flood, you know, seven, eight, nine feet, you know, overnight, basically you're out of business, you know. Forget that civilization, the island civilization. Once they, the, um, the, um, the main valleys all flood, you know, by nine feet of water, basically, everybody's running for the mountains. And remember after that, the waters did not recede, they would keep rising and rising and rising. So um, that was the end of it. That's how it ended. You know, Plato even said in plural, portentous earthquakes and floods. He did not say, one minute he says it sunk over 24 hours or, or, or so. But when you read the text and you carefully about it, he said in plural, it got destroyed after a series of portentous earthquakes and floods. And it's exactly how it happened, you know, at uh, around 8,000 BC to be exact, you know, just before the uh, flooding of the Black Sea, by the way, which up until that point was for millions of years, the Black Sea was a fresh, uh, fresh water lake. And uh, all of a sudden around that time, around 8,000 BC, 
when this incident happened, LA Gagazis collapsed and the oceans rose by nine feet and then the water kept on rising and rising. First there goes Atlantis, the next thing it goes is um, uh, the Black Sea becomes a salt lake because the Mediterranean rises so much, it floods into the uh, Black Sea and makes it into a, a, a salt uh, body of water. Now, do you think this happened fairly quickly then? Or, or did they have a little bit of... Look, the, the initial flood it was relatively quickly, just like New Orleans. You, you wake up and you're in it. Uh, that was the initial impact. Uh, from there, though, um, these people had time to, to escape. You know, I don't know what was the level of destruction, but, you know, you have a gigantic plateau, basically. It holds completely flat, and then you have the mountain tops, all the mountains all around there. Basically, once 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 you have the um, the um, the plateau area all uh, covered in water, all you have now is a bunch of mountains here and there. That basically the mountain tops are above water. So people ran through the mountains initially, and then once the waters kept on rising, um, then they decided, okay, let, let, let's get out of here. You know, so some stayed behind. You know because these, these islands still exist today and they hold populations, you know, of number of people and they're still living in, the, in these islands. These islands are livable today. Uh, the rest of them, though, moved out and they went further away to other islands or, or, or in the mainland. And they became something else. We call them with different names today. But in fact, you know, um, started from that very area I'm talking about. And by the way, Al, I'm not, I'm not the only one who's saying this. I'm talking about studies with DNA evidence that prove um, it all started from that general area I'm talking about. And then these three other civilizations we call today this or that basically started from that general area. Um, and we didn't realize this until recently. DNA evidence said, oh, yeah, you know, these people came from this region, you know, the Mediterranean, basically, and, uh, you know, whether they settle here or settle there, you know, or calling this or calling that, you know, they're all related. You know, DNA proves that. I'm not just saying this. DNA studies, uh, the last one was in National Geographic in 2019. That said, in fact, a um, couple of these civilizations go back to um, the general area I'm talking about. Well, that's interesting because you're talking about DNA. I, I was just thinking myself that I was just wondering the people who fled from Atlantis uh, when they were able, you know, some of the people who were able to get away, uh, you know, what, what, what type of um, evidence or uh, maybe even uh, writings or anything that, um, that we might have in history that would point to the fact that these people came from Atlantis and, like you said, uh, the DNA. So I just find it very interesting. I don't know if you have any more in information on on, on that type of uh, 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 remnants of, of what's left over from from the uh, the sinking of Atlantis or the flooding of Atlantis. Let me say one more thing about DNA. Um, you know, there are a lot of people, they still, no matter what, what you tell anybody, they still support the notion that uh, Atlantis is somewhere in the Atlantic. And, um, and um, you know, my, my reaction to that is that I always tell them, you know, genetic migration studies already prove that. By the way, by the way, <clears throat> when Plato said the Atlanteans uh, were able to travel island by island 
to to um, to um, a continent across the ocean. Um, I'm talking about haplogroup X. Haplogroup X started from the general area I'm talking about because I had to study also DNA and see, you know, study migrations of DNA and see who migrated where and when and et cetera, et cetera, in order to make this story fit. You know, just because Plato said so, you know, it's not good enough. You have to go back and find out if indeed there was some uh, gene migration during Plato, uh, when Plato said the story took place and see what happened. Once I found the island, I had to study a little more about it, study more about migrations, et cetera, et cetera. And this is what I found out, you know. <clears throat> um, as far as the, um, as far as the uh, Hubble effects, um, anyway, flipping, switching back to DNA now. Genetic migration studies already proved that the Hubble effects in Mediterranean gene which appears to have originated from uh, the very region I am talking about, I'm just quoting from my book right now, uh, managed to uh, manage the trip to North America 11 and a half thousand years ago and mixed itself with the uh, local Indian tribes around the Great Lakes. Heavy traces of eggs also exist around Gibraltar, Ireland, Scotland, Orkney Islands, Islands, and uh, Faroe Islands, sorry, and Iceland. Every island stopped from uh, Europe to North America. This is exactly what uh, Plato said it happened. Um, so to those who support the notion that Atlantis was advancing into the Mediterranean from somewhere within the Atlantic, I must point out to them that genetic migration studies rule out that possibility entirely. No genetic evidence um, that pre prehistoric genes ever made it into the Mediterranean from the West ever came that way. It, it all went from the Mediterranean to the West and not the other way around. And, and, it, and it did happen 11 and a half thousand years ago, by the way. Well, my other question, you've, you've already covered the DNA portion of it. It was just basically um, the, the people who escaped from the flooding of Atlantis, uh, those who were lucky enough to, to, to move away. Are, are, do we have any remnants of that Atlantean civilization uh, in, in, in our history? Yeah, actually, uh, remnants. We have uh, living uh, <laughs> living populations that uh, once upon a time they were called Atlanteans. You remember I said some people stayed behind, right? On the mm -hmm. island, died some, uh, you know, okay. Here, go, here we go with a little bit of a spoiler here. Um, all right. Those who stayed behind um, on these uh, mountaintops that turned into small islets, we know them today as the Cycladic civilization. We didn't call them Atlanteans anymore. We just don't know them as Atlanteans. We know them as Cycladic civilization. Those who moved to the island of Crete between 4,000 and 3,000 BC turned into the Minoan civilization we know today. And those who migrated to the neighboring Greece, which, which uh, by the way, this, this thing was uh, not far from Greece, uh, ultimately became the Mycenaean civilization. Um, now, I must point that the name Minoans was not that civilization's real name, but a nickname, I don't know if you know this or not, 
but it was a nickname given to them by Sir Arthur Evans. No one to this day know, knows what um, the Minoan civilization was called or what they call themselves. Um, the, um, after the, uh, you know, in fact, after the eruption of Santorini, you know, <clears throat> those who uh, lived on the island, you know, we know it, they escaped the uh, destruction of the volcano. Um, you know, in fact, uh, not a not a single dead person was ever found uh, in Santorini, you know, during the excavations. But the uh, historians failed to recognize that the uh, culture of sea people who appeared in the region after the eruption of Santorini uh, were of Minoan ancestry, uprooted from Santorini and the surrounding islands. So they just named them sea people. So we have some sea people now going around raiding every city there is around the Mediterranean, and we just call them sea people. We just fail to recognize that th these are the uh, Minoans uprooted from the Santorini and the surrounding islands. Then when we uh, have these sea people settling alongside the shores of the Middle East, then what? We call them Philistines. Again, you know, we gave them another name on top of the previous names we've been giving them all along. So we call them Philistines now. Now, a, a DNA study, again, was proven recently, I think this study also came out in 2019, proven that these Minoans and Philistines and these sea people, they were all the same people. Now, why is history going to go back and correct these incorrect in, in assumptions we had over the years? I, it's just beyond me. But we call the same civilization from the eruption of Santorini forward, three different names, Minoans, Sea People, and Philistines. Before that, they used to be called Minoans. In fact, in fact, Plato and the Greeks and the Egyptians knew of these connections because when Plato wrote the story, he described the island, the island of the Atlanteans, not just the island, the Atlanteans, from their very early beginnings, 9,600 9, BC, he described their power and ability to reach another continent across the ocean. He described the destruction of Atlantis by a series of earthquakes and floods associated with the rise of the oceans. He described the transformation of the Aegean after the flooding of the Mediterranean. And finally, he concluded his description with many details from a later time in, his, in their history, the Minoan era, which of course, you know, he was more familiar with. Now, Minoans ultimately were the Atlanteans. They, they, they were the post-Atlantean civilization that we should have corrected ourselves and go back and say, ah, Plato was right. You know, I don't know if they were called Atlanteans or not, by the way. You know, maybe just something that Plato made up. You know, the name Atlanteans, it could be just as good as the name Minoans that Sir Arthur Evans gave Minoans, you know. But since Plato called them Atlanteans, we should have go back and find out what the Egyptians called the Atlanteans at that time and continue to use that name rather than just keep on reinventing new names, you know, as sea people, this and that. And these are all inconsistencies that lead people to a huge confusion. You know, nobody, you just, you're just, you just read the history, you just don't know what you're reading sometimes because of all these people appear out of nowhere. What do, you, what do you think the biggest surprises that you got uh, in doing your research? Thing that, something that you didn't really expect? Look, oh, the, the biggest surprise is the find itself. Nobody found it in 2,000 years. And it was always right in front of our eyes. 
again, I welcome anybody who like to sit down and have a cup of coffee with me and talk to me and prove me wrong. Um, <clears throat> so that is the biggest surprise. I was surprised when I found it. I couldn't believe it. That was, you know, I guess it took me four years to study and be able to know what, what I'm talking about. But once I found it, I was thinking, man, you know, this has been always in front of our eyes for 2,000 years, you know, with our technology and everything. And by the way, let me, let me, let me back up a little bit, give other people credit. There are others. There, there is a, you know, I found out after I published uh, Ukraine for the first time that um, you know, some lady from uh, a oceanographic institution in Athens somewhere, she, says, she suggested, she said, um, if Atlantis was ever, uh, ever a real place, it would have been right here. And she stopped at that. She didn't say anything else more than that. I found that out, after, you know, from a blogger, actually. If you read my book, you know, from the author, if you go back in there, you can see how I found out about that. And I stopped the publisher from putting out the, uh, the, the original publication. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a second. We're going to put that in there, too, because, you know, it kind of ruined. I thought I was the only one who even suggested that. But evidently, that lady suggested it, too. And it's a serious scientific uh, publications. So, look, you know, all, all these things, like I said, I'm a researcher, all these things, these are loose puzzles all over the place. You look at on the internet, you study a lot, you, 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 you know your subject, all these loose pieces are all around you. All I did is pick them up from different places and put them together. And the success here is the find itself. Like I said, it perfectly matches. Like, like a, a lottery ticket, you know, when it matches a match, there is no other ticket like it, you know. So the success is in the fine. You know, the rest of it is somebody needs to come back now and sit down and talk to me and say, well, I disagree with you on this because this is not true, but it is. You know, it's almost like you're arguing with the numbers, you know, saying, well, yeah, this is the winning number, the winning ticket, but, you know, that number six, you don't look like a six. Well, a six is a six, or a five is a five. And this description I'm coming up with, you know, I'm not the one who made the description, Plato said it. And like I said, my goal, my aim was to find all the elements. And once I found the elements, then I had to turn around and make it fit to our known history, and it all fits. So now do you have a, a website or a place that people can find out more about Atlantis, more about you and any of your other writings? <laughs> well, that's okay. I always like to offer it. Um, I guess your book is available at most fine stores and Amazon, of course. Um, fantastic. Um, well, certainly been an interesting conversation. Um, did, did you get hit by COVID in the, in the sense that it did it interfere in some of your researching or writing of the book? Uh, not really. You know, I uh, finished the book, actually, while I was... Um uh, sitting in the hall for a whole year. <laughs> yeah, well, it gives you the time, that's for sure. Well, I had my two wow. shots. I'm glad uh, things are looking better nowadays and uh, yeah. looking forward yeah. for uh, life to return to normal. And and if things work out one of these days, I um, I sent a letter to the government of Greece the other day and uh, asking them to uh, see if they wanted to uh, pitch in uh, uh, whatever they can to help um, – you know, provide the resources and whatever else they can to do another more in-depth um, 
uh, not just search, but a documentary that presents presents the real story, um, not just part of the story. I hope they bite. I hope they get back to me. So far, everything I heard um, has been uh, positive. Uh, everybody's excited about um, about the find. I haven't had anybody questioning it yet. I, I like. Um, I'm, I'm open for debate. Um, um, if anybody, if anybody does, I like. You know, you know, it makes me um, uh, more educated when I have debates with people. And um, you know, if anybody um, like to um, come back and say, you know, uh, this and that. Uh, they're very welcome, I, and I hope we do that. And if we don't do that, I hope the next thing is to maybe um, uh, proceed maybe one day to go forward and maybe do another documentary that shows uh, the whole picture, not part of it. Well, fantastic. I, I, anybody listening, you know, uh, uh, maybe they'll chip in. Um, it's a great, great project, and uh, thank you for doing a great research and book. Uh, of course, the book we're talking about is Atlantis, the find of a lifetime, and the researcher author is Christos De Jonas. Thank you for being here. Thank you all. Thanks, Chris. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. <laughs>